Aren't you glad you're called by that name today? As the bride of Jesus Christ. We greet you today in the name of the Lord. Certainly be good to be back together again in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. Not under normal circumstances, but under circumstances that we can certainly deal with. I'd rather have you all here than streaming. That's right. You can ask any of these musicians, the Deacon Brothers, they say, yeah, they'd nod their head. Rather have half a crowd than ten. So it makes it a lot better for everybody. Y'all rather be here too? Good. I thought you would. I thought you would. Praise the Lord. We certainly want to uh, continue to remember those that are being affected by this virus and all. Several different churches have had quite a um, breakout, outbreak with it, I should say, out in one uh, in Tucson. Several people there have, have passed away. But the Tim Pruitt has canceled services on up into the first part of October because they've got a, an outbreak there, different places. So we certainly want to remember our brothers and sisters. Those of you that have had it, you can be able to pray with a little bit more fervency, maybe those and those of you that spared it. But we're praying for you that you don't get it. That's right. So we want to pray for these brothers and sisters that the Lord will be with them. Brother Gene Lehman, I'm sure that um, many of you are keeping up with it. Sister Teresa and I was trying to post it on the Happy Valley family site that uh, Brother Gene's still in certainly desperate need of prayer. I heard from him this morning. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to pray over a prayer cloth, Lord willing, they're going to let me in to go see him tomorrow. So I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to be able to go in and pray for him. I count on your prayers being with me. Um, I plan on being there about 10 or so. So if you can think of it tomorrow, just uh, pray with me for our brother. He's in desperate need of prayer. Also, Erica will begin her second round of treatments tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We certainly appreciate your prayers. We're just believing God. That stuff's going to go directly to that stuff and target it. With your atomic prayers behind what little bitty old puny medicine they can come up with, how can that devil stand it? Amen. Amen. How many has need in your heart, your life today before we go before the Lord in prayer? We're going to pray over this prayer cloth too, and I'm going to preach with it today for Brother Gene, so maybe we can just approach the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are so happy to be back together. We love church, Jesus, because we know church is just a little bit of a foretaste of what it'll be like every day in heaven, except it'll be so much greater. Our hands will never get tired. Lord, no matter how much we want to worship you and we hold our hands up, after a little bit, our hands get tired, our our arms get tired. We could sing so much that we could become hoarse and lose our voice. Those that stand for a little bit and then they go to having cramps in their legs maybe and they just think, I can't stand no more. I've got to sit down. Oh, but we're going to a country where we'll never get tired. We'll never get weary. There'll never be a prayer request. Remember brother so-and-so. Remember sister so-and-so. Remember this child that got burnt? No. There'll never be any such thing there, Lord. So we know, Father, that we're not in a perfect world, but we're striving by your grace to go to such. And Lord, these requests that Brother Joel has mentioned, no doubt others, that people just didn't want to turn it in in their hearts, and you saw their hands are uplifted. Father, I have this prayer cloth in my hand for Brother Gene today. We're believing you, Lord God, that you just move for our brother. 
you see what the doctors have done thus far, and they found a little bit more pneumonia there, but God, pneumonia is nothing to you. We're just believing you for our brother. I pray, Father, you'd work it out where I can go pray for him tomorrow, be able to see him, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, may you minister, Lord. You see Brother Tim and their assembly there, Father, having to shut the church, shut the church down for several services. God, would you help them? Lord, the group out in, in Tucson, Father, would you be with them? Different ones that we're hearing about, Lord, India, Africa, all over the world. May you be merciful. Drive this thing back to hell, Lord God. We want to be able to get back to having church and shaking one another's hands and hugging one another's neck. God delivers from this evil, I pray. As we approach the word today, Father, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, I'm just a weak human being that you chose to speak your word. I never asked to do this. I never wanted to. When you called me when I was but a kid, I made every excuse that I could make. I've made many more since then. Lord God, I pray that you'd help me today that I can step aside, that you can speak through this human instrumentality, something that will bless and benefit and encourage your people, Lord. We just love you so much. Thank you, Father. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. And the saints say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn today, if you would, to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. So glad Brother Terry Horn was able to come back on last Sunday and um, be able to speak to you. I know it was a blessing to you. We miss them, Brother Terry and Sister Alice, and uh, we certainly love them, appreciate them. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Now listen to what you as the people of God have been invited to, the position that God has given you. These verses to me are just so overwhelming. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now that's 100,000 times hundred thousands, and then when you go beyond that, it goes to the infinite, to where that you can't even number them. These are the guys who watch over you. These are the ones that's called to minister to you as the heirs of life. So don't think you're ever alone. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. So now this leaves out organized religion. In the message or out. organized religion. God hates it all. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God. You're not only called to be in fellowship with one another, but you're called to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. To worlds that are seen and unseen. Worlds that we know very little about. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things 
than that of Abel. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. With those scriptures being read, I wonder, what have we been called to? And if we have been called to such a place, how is it that we can still struggle in this world? How can we get sick? These prayer requests that we just heard, many of them desperate. Uh, How can people who are called to such as this struggle with insomnia? How can they struggle with blood pressure, sugar diabetes? How can they struggle with temptations? How can they ever get to a spot to where they feel like God and nobody else loves them and nobody cares for them if they have been called to something like this? Surely God would not place something in His Word that is not true, would He? God wouldn't say that we're called to this and then in reality we're not actually called. God wouldn't describe such a heavenly position that saints of God are called to and then kind of hang it before us and dangle it before us as you would a carrot before a horse and say, I said this, but in reality, I didn't mean it. I said this, but in reality, I knew nobody could ever achieve it. My God is not a deceiver. He is not a liar. He is not a hypocrite. If God said it, somebody is obtaining these four verses that we just read. Or could it be that the answer lays in what is called in the Bible an allegory? Now, an allegory is a story, sort of like a parable. Now, a parable is a story with heavenly meanings hid behind earthly types or earthly words. So an allegory is very simple. It is something that you want to say without coming right out and saying it. So it's allegorical, as we say. A parable is, is similar. So the Lord chooses to speak this way. It seems odd, peculiar to the people of the world, but he does it in a spiritual way to hide it so that only the spiritual people will get it. So could it be that God has chosen to speak to us, his people, in a way of allegory that we have received such wonderful heavenly things and yet at the same time could fight such battles that they seem almost impossible to ever deal with? Mountains that would seem so high Days that would seem so difficult that you'd think you would struggle and struggle and never make it to the end of that day. And yet with all of your heart and your soul, you believe that you have crossed the line between judgment and wrath. You're no more a sinner. You're no more lost. You're no more a one that is accused before the throne of God. And you feel like you love the Lord Jesus with all that is in you. How can this be? 
it lays in the order of the firstborn. Now, we know that the firstborn in the Old Testament, it carried a very great status. It not only did in the Old Testament, but it still did in the New. In the Old Testament, the firstborn of a family, especially the male, the firstborn would actually receive a double portion of an inheritance. Let me explain it to you this way. So there were four children, five, whatever it was, and they would actually take the inheritance. If there were five children, they would take the inheritance and divide it into six parts. That was because the firstborn not only got his part, but he also got another part. So he got a double portion. If there were two children, they divided the inheritance into three. The firstborn got this part, this part, and the second child got this part. If there were four children, then they would divide the inheritance into five parts. The firstborn would get this one, and this one, and the others would get what was left. So the firstborn also was the priest before the Levitical order was chosen. The firstborn became the heir of the spiritual status in the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. The firstborn had many, many rights and honors and privileges. Actually, his name became good on the father's check, we would say, before the father even died. The rest of the children had hardly no authority, no inheritance until the father died. The firstborn, however, received a part of his inheritance while the father was still alive. So to be a firstborn in the Old Testament was a very great thing. But when you look at the symbolism of the firstborn that was ever actually born of a woman into the earth and see what he received and what become of him, which was Cain, of course. Adam was not born of a woman. Eve was not born of a woman. And the first one to be born of a woman was actually a hybrid. His name was Cain. It was whom Eve thought was the son liberator, as they call it, son liberator. She thought he was the angel of the Lord. For she said, I have gotten a man with the Lord. You read the original Hebrew. It does not say from, but she got a man with the Lord. And she actually said it was the Lord. We've all been foolish like that at times. We've got behind false leaders and just knew it was a true one and said, oh, thank God, I finally found a man of God. About five years down the road, you found out he's a liar. You found out he's a hypocrite. You found out he's building a kingdom on his own. Well, go ahead and say amen, saints. We've all been where Eve was. But yet, whenever now God actually gave them part of the mystery of redemption by speaking what he did in Genesis 4, Genesis 3 rather, and the first prophecy of the Messiah come from the very breath of God. But it was little understood, of course, but then God was hiding what he was going to do in the mystery of the firstborn. It was written in an allegory from Cain and Abel, the firstborn rights, of course, given to Seth, and we see on down through the posterity of the seed of Abraham that God would switch 
the firstborn status. So there might be two twins that were born and the firstborn would say would be Esau. But God switched the firstborn status instead of Esau becoming the chosen of God, it was Jacob, his brother, which made no sense. We see Reuben, which was the firstborn, but lost his right. And then we see two grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. They were actually chosen to come up and move into that status. So God constantly has been rearranging the order of the firstborn. Now, if you look at yourself real good today, you realize the new birth actually rearranged the status of the firstborn in you. Now, you see, when we were born first naturally in the earth, it was the Esau. It was the Reuben. It was the carnal man that did not have the ability to serve God. Now, whenever Jacob went to bless his sons and he called Reuben up and said, Reuben, you are my firstborn. You are the beginning of my strengths and you're as unstable as water. Well, wow, what a thing to say to your boy. Well, you know what? That wasn't just Jacob saying that. That was what God said. So here was him declaring that he was the firstborn. Now, he should have got a double portion. Remember, he should have become the priest. He should have become so many things. But because of his behavior, the firstborn status was actually forfeited. Now, Joseph received much of the great status. This is why that his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, was able to be combed in as it was as part of the original 12 tribes, when in reality, they were only grandsons. And yet Judah become the tribal line by which Messiah would come. You see, the firstborn actually received the tribal line through his genealogy that through him, the Messiah would be birthed. He also received the right of priesthood. But what did God do? God took every bit of this away from Reuben. Why? Because God didn't care for Reuben? Because Reuben was not worthy of such a status. He was unstable as water. He went into his father's concubine. Jacob said, you went up to your father's couch. And God took away from him the firstborn status of priesthood, the firstborn status of the order by which he'd have the right to approach God. He took away the double portion and also the spiritual inheritance. And God divided it and he gave part to Judah and part to Levi and part to Joseph, which was handed down to his two sons. And then when God, down through the Old Testament began to forecast. You ever wonder why that whenever they go to the land of Egypt and God begins to deal with Moses and call him out, one of the first messages that God speaks to Moses is about what? The firstborn. Tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Why is it that when the plague of death comes through, which is the final plague, that God is focused on the firstborn of Egypt? The firstborn of Pharaoh, the firstborn of the officers, the firstborn of the cattle, the firstborn of the sheep. Everything that was smitten on the night of death was what? Second child, third child, fifth child, tenth child, firstborn. You see, to God, the mystery of the firstborn was hid even in the Old Testament. 
Watch how Paul runs this allegory in Galatians chapter four, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other one by a free woman. Now, according to their laws, and they found on the uh, cuneiform several, several years ago, which actually dates back to the time of Abraham, and it was a stone cylinder, you know, not very, very big, but instead of having a flat book the way that we do, they would actually write these historical documents on a round cuneiform, they called it, and then it was sealed so that it would be kept. And they found this, and they actually found transactions of real estate, which had been during the time of Abraham. And so in this, it gives somebody called the Hurrian text, or the Hurrian laws, which would have been the kind of national law that Abraham would have been under. For Abraham to send away his firstborn son, he was under the penalty of the law of the land that if they would have prosecuted him, they could have actually killed Abraham for doing it. Because by Hurrian law, it was against the law to disown your firstborn, especially when he had not done anything to deserve it. Now, whenever we look at this, and we realize that Paul is gonna run a parallel, he's gonna run it to two women, he's gonna run it to two genealogies, and he's gonna run it to two cities. Now watch everything as it comes down through that it'll always be twins. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, which was Hagar, and the other by a free woman, which was Sarah. And he says, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Now wait a minute, I thought Isaac was born by sex desire between Abraham and Sarah. He was. Well, was not Ishmael born by sex desire between Abram and Hagar? He was. But God never gave a promise pertaining to Hagar. God never gave the promise, Hagar, you're gonna bear a son. No, God dealt with that son after that son was the expression of Abraham's seed. And we know even to this very day, now those of you that have said the genealogies of these people, you know these are the Arabians of this day. These are the peoples that went into Saudi Arabia and into that part of Iran, Iraq, and they divided on down through there. And to this very day, they are still causing all kinds of problems for the children of Israel. And yet both of them claim the same man as their father. Is that right? You know that the three major religions of the world, which is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all three of them claim Abraham as their father. You know that, right? Isn't it amazing that all three of them claim Moses to be a great prophet of God? So many of the foundation pillars by which these religions are built upon, they tap into God's original truth. Now, notice how Paul runs this allegory, but he who was of the bondwoman was after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, and yet we know that Isaac 
Isaac himself failed God. Isaac messed up. Isaac denied that Rebekah was his wife. And Isaac was more of the one or more of the more passive type of prophets in the Bible. You know, it never, it never appeared in the cycle of God that you'd have a great major prophet then he'd give birth to another great major prophet and he would have another great major prophet. No, there was like low spots in that prophetic genealogy. So here's Abraham and then Isaac is the type of guy that there's really not a lot said about it. But whenever you look, then it goes from him to his son Jacob. And Isaac is still alive, dwelling in his tents whenever the glory of God has changed from him over to his son. His son is mentioned many more times in the Bible than he is. And then whenever you go to sing as the glory of God passes from Jacob, on down, on down, on down. And it's the same way when it comes to our walk with God. God chooses whom he wants to to reveal his glory. We don't say, God, I want it. God, give it to me. Give it to me. That's not the way it works. It works by the sovereignty of God. So Isaac, as far as himself, was not near as great in the scope of God's revelation as his father was, nor as great as his son was. But yet he was a son by promise. Notice in in verse 24, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants. Now watch here he runs with Hagar and with Sarah and he says these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai which gendereth to bondage which is Agar. Now watch how Paul merges these types together. So we've got one covenant and we've got one woman and we've got one son. So that woman is Hagar and that son is Ishmael and that covenant of course was given to them. I'll bless him. I'll make 12 princes come out of him. I'll do this and this. Why? Because he was Abram's seed. But then what a strange thing that Paul does that he says from Mount Sinai which genders to bond which is Hagar. So he brings the type of Hagar over to Mount Sinai. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but actually Mount Sinai is in Arabia. For those people who are looking for Mount Sinai in Israel, that's why they never find it. Well, don't look at me like I got egg on my face. You know I don't eat eggs. Now watch, that's not my words. Paul says, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Israel, in the promised land, in where? Arabia. Okay, so we have this woman, which Abraham and to her and his union together produced a son, but it was not a son of promise, but it was Abraham's seed, natural posterity, but he was not promised, church natural, church spiritual. So the church natural looks at the promise of God, don't want to be lost, don't want to go to hell, and they accept the gift of God. I don't want to be lost, Lord. I, will you please save me? Say, I will. I'll save you. Will you deliver me, God, from sin? Will you help me? I will. I'll help you. But are they of the same covenant as the bride? They are not. Will they ever achieve to the understanding, the revelation, the place in the kingdom? Never. Because they are not seed of the promise. What is the promise? The promise was the theophany of God that was birthed out of his own existence in eternity. This is when God's projecting forth from his own image what he wanted to become. You don't remember it and I don't either. But you wasn't born on July the 10th, 1943. Not your soul. Your body might have given birth but that's not the real you anyhow. 
Now watch how that the parallel runs in this allegory and he brings it on down in twos. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now watch, he bounces it from Sinai, which is identified with Hagar, and then he brings it over into the natural Jerusalem, and we all know a little bit about the history of Jerusalem, that Jerusalem has been conquered almost 40 times. It has been conquered by every great leader. It is the gateway, of course, to tying the continents together of Asia and Europe and all of that. Why is it stretched out a little spot of land about the size of New Jersey? It does not have hardly any minerals, hardly any gems at all. They have to fight for the water. I mean, as you know, you look at it one thing after another after another, but God said his eye was on that land. And sometimes you may look at yourself and think, what in the world is the matter with me? Well, you might be like the bride type of Israel. You may not have what the world is God, and you may not have the riches that this one's God and that one's God. I'd rather have God's eye than God's diamonds. Give me God's eye and God's love and God's favor. You can have your rubies. You can have all those other things. Give me the love of God. Give me the mercy of God. Come on, saints. Is that what you want? Oh, people say, oh, God bless me. God bless me. I want the blessings of God. Well, I I want the blessings of God to a measure, but if it come right down to it and getting favor versus blessing, give me favor any day. Give me God's divine favor. You know what? He may not be able to trust me with a lot of material things. I don't know. But if he can't, that's perfectly fine. Give me grace, give me mercy, give me revelation, give me those things I need with my walk with God. I'd rather have that than be a millionaire, be rich and be famous, praise the Lord, because to me that is what has really true great value. So here is a a seed line and a lineage which has its identification back to Sinai. But wait a minute, Brother Donnie, I thought Sinai had, this is a great spiritual significance to the children of Israel. I agree, it is. But look at what the law did for the children of Israel and still does for the ultra-Orthodox to this very day. The law does not produce liberty. The law does not, for those ultra-Orthodox who still keep the law, and there's many of them uh, to this very day, of course, and they wear their clothes and they look odd everybody else and they can't eat meat certain meats and they have to do this and they can't do that and are they free they're still as lost as they was when Moses received it on Mount Sinai why because the law this law still to this day produces a bondage you see this is why the Lord does not want us to love him and serve him out of fear oh God don't kill me oh God don't kill me I'll go to church God don't kill me oh God I'll just give me an opportunity Lord I promise that ain't the way he wants his bride to be He wants his bride to be in a love affair. Oh, I can't wait to go to the house of God. I can't wait to read my Bible. I can't wait to do this. That's the way he wants it to be. Those who are still serving God that that way in the spiritual anatop, they're answering back to Sinai. What happened on Sinai? When the Spirit of God come down and he shook the mountain and it trembled and the trumpet sounded loud and blasted, it scared the people to death. They said, we don't want God to speak this way no more. That's what law and legalism produces. Yes, we've got do's and don'ts and cans and cannots, but let's not approach it through the aspect of Sinai or we're as bad as they are. Oh my. Notice this. He says, which these things are an allegory, verse 24. Watch, bring it down to verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free 
which is the mother of us all. So there is a birth by which we receive from our heavenly mother. <laughs> our heavenly mother. Where we sprang from the original thoughts of God in that blessed place that he existed before there was any time. What's this in verse 28? Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. So, how many's got the Holy Ghost today? What got it? What got it? Your soul? Your body? Did your body get it? What about your spirit? Now, be careful now. Your spirit, you know, it breaks up. What got it? Your soul. So what does the flesh do? It aggravates. It weighs down. It gets afflicted. It pulls. Come on, saints. Why? Because the flesh is not yet born again. As I've told you over and over again, forget trying to perfect the flesh. Focus on bringing the flesh subject. Not perfection, subjection. Subjection. Turning your head. You know, saying the right thing. Doing this, doing that. Will the flesh like it? It don't like it a bit more today than it did when you first got saved. And it ain't gonna like it. It'll make every excuse why you don't have to do it. Well, the deacon's daughter don't do this and the preacher's daughter, they may be going to hell. You wanna follow them? No, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to go. If your mama don't go, your daddy don't go, don't make no difference. You're not going as a group. You're going as an individual. So him that was born after the flesh persecuted. Him that is born after the spirit. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So watch, then he runs this allegory down to there of Ishmael and Isaac and takes, let's look at it in the sense that it runs parallel to our two births. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're not really born again, this will be all Greek to you because you don't understand what I'm talking about or what these folks have experienced that have a new birth because it puts you in another sphere from another world in another realm. Actually, you walk in a region in your soul that very few people ever understand. They read about it in the Bible, they sing about it in gospel songs, but as far as having experienced it, they have not. Now the physical birth, of course, births us in the natural realm. The spiritual birth can happen, it can happen in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. There may be no shouting, there may be no, no tongues, no jumping around, and all of a sudden that soul has been changed and you're born again. You get up from there and the body is exactly the same as it was when you got down. Yet a miracle transpired inside of your soul. Now let's run these two things, brothers, put that up on the board for me. And let's look at the old covenant and the new. Under the old covenant, it was administered under the principle of law. The new covenant is grace. The old covenant under the type Hagar, the slave, the slave, 
Hagar the slave. So you're in bondage to that law. This is why, friends, that many folks are getting tired of living this message and living this word. It proves they don't have a birth. If they had a birth, they would not find this word grievous at all. Because from their soul, their soul is the word. Oh, I can't stand it no more. Oh, you can't do this. You can't go there. You can't have no fun. We don't preach against fun. We preach, we have more fun than anybody does. You ain't gonna tell me these folks how you're getting drunk have near the fun I do when I get drunk because I don't have a hangover. And I may have a few aches and pains because I'm not as young as I was when the anointing moves on you. But we're having fun. We're the only fun people that there is left in the world. All the rest of them's going totally insane. Amen. So Hagar is the slave. Now we're not talking about to the people out here in the world, well, atheists and antagonists and don't even believe there is a God. But we're talking about those that come under the seed line of Abraham and they have a knowledge of God, an element of understanding of God, but they're still in slavery. They're still in slavery. So Hagar was brought out of Egypt in slavery. When she came into Abraham's house, she was there in slavery. And whenever she was set free, do you think all of a sudden she became this great princess of this and that and the other? No, because she's still released with this element of slavery. She is a bondmaid. Even though she was no longer under his house, she still maintained the identity. Here we are reading reading the New Testament. Here we are preaching in 2020 and I'm still identifying to you that Hagar was a bondmaid. Hagar was under the law. She never became the legal wife with the right status of Abraham. Is that right? I'm not saying she won't be there that day, but this is her status after it was pulled through the cross under the shedding of the blood. And Paul did not write and say, oh, well, Hagar now, Hagar's just a princess. No, he's still identifying Hagar as being under the law. Oh my. Can't you see why those who only profess Christianity and only go so far in God and they never really move on to sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the revelation of the word of this hour, that they just stay right there. What are they? Hagar. They gender strife. Oh, the law, it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard. I'd like to go up around that church, but I just can't take it. They preach hard. It's a skirt church, you know. It's the skirt church and all the women just pass around their skirts and they have garage sales and they just sell their skirts to one another and you know, them poor women, I feel so sorry for that dumb, ignorant preacher up there won't let them wear Bridges? I'm not stopping them from wearing bridges. If they want to wear them, they can wear them. They'll burn in hell, but that's all right. If they want to wear them, it's up to them. Well, he stops them men from wearing shorts. I ain't stopping none of these men from wearing shorts and showing their bow-legged, ugly legs. Now, maybe some of you men got pretty legs like women. Mine ain't pretty. I don't understand some of these women or these men wanting to show their pretty legs. Well, come on, some of y'all are getting quiet on me. Some of y'all look like a gorilla and you want to take them britches off of your legs and show women what you look like. And some of you are so overweight, you look like a stick stuck into a pumpkin and you want to show them things. What in the world is the matter with you men? Uh-oh. Hagar, the slave. That's why when folks backslide, what do they do? Women leave the message. What's the first thing they do? Cut their hair out. What's the first thing men do? Put on shorts. What are they doing? Showing their liberty. Showing their ignorance. Call it liberty if you want to. Every quote you've ever heard will judge you at the day of judgment when you stand there. 
Well, praise the Lord. Hagar, the slave. Sarah, the free woman. Ishmael conceived after the flesh. Isaac conceived miraculously. Abraham in his own strength could father Ishmael. But God waited and waited and waited and waited till he was totally dried up in his manhood. No more strength, no more ability, nothing left. You see, sometimes we want to give our virility, we want to give our strength, we want to give our muscles, and we want God to take and use all that so we can get a little bit of glory out of it. God wants to say, no, I don't want your strength, I don't want your intellect, I don't want your head. God chose the heart, remember, not the head. The devil chose the head. And then when we're all beat out, and we ain't got no more strength, then God says, all right, now I'll do it. Now, Abraham could father Ishmael and look what it produced. Well, a lot of us have got little Ishmaelites following around us, ain't we? And they call you mama, and they call you daddy. Notice Ishmael conceived after the flesh. Isaac conceived miraculously. How was I conceived? Donald Lee Reagan Jr. after the flesh. When I got born again, how was I conceived miraculously? God didn't call my mama and call my daddy and say, hey, it's time for Donnie to have another birth. Would you all come and help me out? He didn't need their help. He didn't need my help. All he needed was me to surrender and get out of the way and say, yes, Lord. Then what did he do? He conceived me from his own being and gave birth to me from himself. Amen. Praise be to God. Notice earthly Jerusalem in bodies. Now remember when Paul writes this, of course, Galatians written around 64, 65 AD. It's under Roman occupation and would be for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to come. So here they are still under bondage. So the city of peace, huh, isn't it a paradox? The name Jerusalem, Shalom, meaning peace, the city of peace. It is one of the most cities, the greatest cities in the world as far as God is concerned and been more wars fought there. There's been more wars fought there than in Munich, Germany, more wars fought there than London, England, more wars fought there than many of the states of the United States all put together. Her name is a very paradox, and yet God says, Oh, Jerusalem, you are my city. You are my place that I set my heart toward. I chose to put my name there. You imagine how the devil throws that up in the face of God. God, look at your beautiful city, Jerusalem. God, look at your city of peace. The Romans had it. The Cappadocians had it. All these had it. These had it. These had it. What about the city of peace? And God said, It is my city. It is the city of peace. Don't you see how he loves? to display himself in paradoxes and you say well I'm a child of God I've got the Holy Ghost and all hell breaks loose against you on this side and on that side and Satan said oh God what about this and that what do you say Lord God I believe you Lord I'm your child what's God say I'm going to say what my son says I'm his papa I'm his daddy I love him I care but what about this what about that absolutely changes nothing the trials you go through the tests you go through the difficulties you go through changes not one punctuation in the promise of God. Hallelujah. Earthly Jerusalem 
to this day, still has an element of bondage. You have the Christian quarter, the Armenian quarter, the Islamic. You have all of these minarets set here and there and there. And you have them as they get up at noon or how many ever times a day and run through their Arabic rigmarole. God never intended for that to ever be said in Jerusalem. The Dome of the Rock setting near or on the place where the temple set, the mosque of Omar right over from it, be able to accommodate 5,000 worshipers, Christians, Jews. No, you're not allowed there. She's still in bondage. But may I say to you, my mother home is not in bondage. Praise be to God. Earthly Jerusalem in bondage. Heavenly Jerusalem, which is free. Watch Isaac as he illustrates the believer born by God's power when it seemed totally impossible and God deliberately waited. Oh, this devastates the carnal, simple-minded believer that does not have revelation. When God will pause and say, wait a while, not now. He waited for 25 years. You imagine year 24, Abraham still had strength physically to father a child. But year 25 rolls around and it's finished for him. Praise God. He lost his strength. He lost his manhood. But he never lost his faith. Now, you may lose your house and your car and you may lose all kinds of things. But actually, if you don't lose your faith, you're still in good shape. Amen. Amen. If you've got faith, there's hope. Born by God's power. He was born after, we'd say, the promise or the spirit. The Christian, of course, is born the same way. Isaac came into the world. Now listen to this. Isaac came into the world through Abraham, who represents faith, and Sarah, who represents grace. So he was born by grace through faith. <laughs> born by grace. Grace carried him. Amen. But faith fathered him. So Abraham being faced, and it was God's grace, of course, to Sarah, because God should have killed her there at the oak tree, but because she was in Abraham, God could not kill her, so God gave her grace. So his mother was grace, and his father was faith. So he was carried by grace, fathered by faith, amen, and delivered through their union. How are you gonna get to heaven? Oh, Brother Donnie, I sing pretty song. I fast twice a week, I pay my tithes. You're gonna get there the exact same way. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Amen, how many knows you're saved by the grace of God? 
Notice what he also did. Now, no, to, to his father and his mother, he brought joy. The very name Isaac means laughter. So he brought joy to his father face and his mother grace. Hope you understand that the full expression of Abraham's faith could never ride to its highest high until Isaac was actually born. Neither could the depths of mercies and grace reach its personification and what God wanted it to be until he was born out of a woman's womb who should have never given birth to children. And then spiritually out of a woman who should have been killed by the wrath of God. It was God who ministered to Sarah's body. It was God who ministered to Sarah's soul. It was God who spared Abraham. Amen. In the time of difficulty and trouble. And what did the progeny of that union produce? <laughs> We've got a son, and his name is. <laughs> oh, what y'all name some of yours? Sourpuss? I'm going to church. You sat here on the song leader, try to get you in the, in the spirit, and you sat down. I ain't clapping my hands. They think I'm clapping my hands. I ain't clapping my hands. You saying, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. If we're born, friends, fathered by faith, carried by grace, the work of God, the progeny of our soul, the very product of our soul should be what? The joy of the Lord is our strengths. I'm sorry, I've not found that in the Bible that it says until COVID. I've not found that it said until this happened. The joy is of the Lord is our strength in COVID, out of COVID, with COVID, without COVID. COVID will come, COVID will go, and the joy of the Lord can be the same. But Brother Donnie, it ain't the same. I know it ain't the same. But are we gonna let that hinder what the Lord Jesus done for us? Think of it, friend. This week could be the next, oh my, the very rapture week. Tomorrow could be rapture morning. Day after tomorrow, we are living in an hour when so much prophecy is coming to pass all around the world. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. Amen. Notice this other aspect of Isaac typing the believer. Isaac grew and the Bible says he was weaned. So salvation is not something that you just receive. And you get it all at one time. Or you come up to the altar and you just get everything you need at one time. But you actually grow. How many of y'all, whenever you were kids, had toys you played with? You say, Brother Donnie, you played with toys? You mean they had toys back then? They did, actually. But you see, it's very hard for some people to trade their toys for tools. They want to keep hanging on to the initial toys that they got when they first got saved. So when they go through growing pains and trying of their faith, and God, God will try them to see, will you love me even when you don't feel me? Will you pray when you don't feel me? Will you read your Bible? Will you keep on going to church and you don't feel me? Say, Lord, Lord, what's wrong? What's the matter? What's wrong here? For a lot of people, that feeling is a toy of their beginning. 
It is a toy that they hold on to more than any other. And they think they've lost their salvation. They've lost this or that or the other. Come on, honey. Give it up. Well, you say giving up feeling? No. Give up your dependence on feeling and basing your salvation on it. Your salvation is based on who your father is and who your mother is. It ain't based on you. It ain't based on how you feel. The prophet said the devil will beat you around the stump on feelings. Now that's a good Kentucky terminology right there. He will beat you on the stump. Why? Because he knows every day is not gonna be bubbly. Every day is not gonna be my just going around if you do your smoking some. Well, hallelujah, you can be that way in your soul, but the outside is gonna feel sickness and trouble and heartache and oppression, but just remember, it's only a temporary setback. Praise be to God. Oh my, whenever he was weaned, whenever he was weaned, that's actually when all hell began to break loose. You see, before Isaac came on the scene, we have no scriptural reference that Ishmael ever caused one problem. Good little boy, Abraham believing he's gonna be the heir. Nah, he thought Lot was, you know. Lot was his nephew, and history actually tells us that he adopted Lot as his son, and Lot's gonna be the main man. God said, I never chose Lot, and I want him to bless you till you get away from him. Well, then he takes Ishmael. Oh, this is my own son. This is my own doing. This is my own making. Surely God won't take my own making away from me. Everything was good for years. And then Isaac come along. Oh, now why did that have to happen? Now, ever since he come along, I've got demoted. I'm not the main one no more. Look at that. Well, let's just be honest. That's the way our old flesh feels. Well, I used to. If you wanted a fifth of whiskey and you had the money, you'd buy it. If you didn't have the money, you might pick up from somebody else's money or put it on a credit card or... Why? Ishmael wanted it. But then all of a sudden when you got an Isaac living in an Ishmael. And Isaac says, I want to clap my hands and Ishmael says, you're embarrassing me, quit that. You may get that tonight, Brother Donnie. And Ishmael said, Lord God, I don't want to act like that. You may act like some of the other crazy people up at the church. Don't tell me you women's going to start letting your hair grow. My hair don't do good long. I can't handle long hair. Isn't it amazing? No issues till Isaac gets weaned. I wonder if this, kind of some of these things that we've been going through, you know, in the last six months or a year and all, I wonder if that means some of us are getting off the bottle. Any of y'all ever seen a big old kid suck on a bottle? No, you haven't. Well, I had a cousin that did. Now, he wouldn't let hardly nobody know it, but me and Harry used to go over and stay with him. I'm talking about a big old scrapping boy. But he wanted a bottle every night before he went to bed. Now, I know some of you sitting there think, that's crazy. Well, why don't you get rid of your spiritual one then? Don't judge my cousin until you get rid of yours. Then you can stand up and say, hallelujah. 
Well, so I don't do it. Oh, you just threw it out the window right now, huh? Why? I don't know. I never understood it. I still don't. But I know one thing. Whenever I was there with him, I sure didn't want it. Do I want a change? Yes. I want God to search my possessions and see if he finds any childish toys. Because every childish toy that I retain keeps me from getting a mature tool that I can use to be more of who I am. In case you all ain't noticed, I ain't a baby no more. Y'all ain't a baby no more. You ain't a baby no more. I'm talking about spiritually as well as naturally. So it's time for us to lay aside our toys. It's time for us to lay aside. Well, nobody shook my hand at the church. That's a a toy that a baby hangs on to. Lay aside your toy and let's pick up a tool. Oh my, let's go to the house of God. Well, brother, Johnny, it offends me that I've got to come to church. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've got to wear a mask. You have to put on a mask and wear five minutes again into the house of God and you won't do that. You don't love God right. I, let me tell you something. If I had to come in your dress like Bozo the Crown or Zorro or Gunsmoke, whatever I had to do to come to the house of God, I'm gonna come to the house of God. My Bible tells me so. I'm not gonna let my stinking pride and my arrogance hinder me out of coming to the house of God. You, well, you're, you're putting on something. What do you think the early Christians done when they stood there in the Colosseum? How do you think they felt when they dressed them up as sheep? How do you think they felt when they had to meet in the catacombs among the dead? Why, they love to assemble together. They love to go where the saints of God were. Why, they laid aside their toys and they picked up their tools. We'll never build the kingdom of God by using toys. So some of you all decide you want to build a new house. You get a contractor. You sign the contract. He says, meet me out there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We're breaking ground. You get out there. He gets out of his truck, opens up his truck. He's like, man, he's getting out his level. He's getting out, you know, all this, that, and other. He opens up his truck, and there's a Tonka truck. You sisters know what that is too, Tonka truck? Okay. Here's a Tonka truck, a hauler, and here's a Tonka bulldozer. And he goes, step back there by the mic. I'm trying to unload my dozer. Now, I mean, I'm not too smart, okay? But if you would let that man build your house, you probably should. Because you're two of a kind. Well, if you would rather sit under a preacher that would baby you and humor you, and not strike out against your sin. You deserve such. But if you want a house, hallelujah, if you want a house, get out of my way because I'm backing this real dozer off and I may have to make a mess. Praise the Lord, you generally do, don't you? Oh, don't move that door. Oh my goodness, don't take that door. Oh my, get out of my way. Do you want this house built or not? you're tearing down those leaves fell off the tree oh my goodness don't do that shut up or I'm off this place 
But what is a real person who wants a house? You're gonna have to tear it up. You'll have to dig this out and dig that out and grub this out and get rid of that. That's the way I feel about going to heaven. I don't wanna make believe heaven. I don't want some kind of dream somewhere. I ain't going to Disneyland. I'm going to a real place. So if I need hard preaching, pour it on me, Lord. If I need more troubles and trials, pour it on me, Lord, because I've got the tools to take it. Let's stand together. This is too good to rush. We'll pick it up again. Hagar versus Sarah. Law versus grace. Ishmael versus Isaac. Flesh versus spirit. Toys versus tools. Now, toys are fitting for a two-year-old. I agree. You would not want to set a two-year-old boy or a five-year-old boy up on a big old D9. You wouldn't want to put him in a bobcat. Why? Would you want to give him a razor at five? Your brother take your razor out of your cabinet and give it to him. Well, he's, 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 a, he's a male. He's a male, but he ain't grown up enough to use it. So what do you give him? Toys. But he comes to a spot that he has to lay aside his toys. What we do to the little girls? We buy them little kitchen sets. Little plastic this and little plastic that, and they get in there and mix stuff up. Why? Why do we give them baby dolls? They're mothers in the future. You don't give little girls chainsaws. Well, I never did ours. I mean, maybe you did. You don't give them chainsaws. You know, I don't want, I didn't, I didn't want mine to grow up to be lumberjacks. What do you give them? You give them a toy that is suited to their gender. But then in time, where's your little daughter's favorite doll now? Now, instead of having a doll, she's got a doll she holds in her arm called Sally or June or whatever she named it. She traded that toy for a tool. Friends, God has been working on us in this message for years to get us to where we are now. God knew for years devastating times would come. He knew it before the world ever began. But he's been working on us, trading out toys for tools. Every one of my, well, both of my kids and my grandkids too, they had words that they said whenever they were little. I won't say them here today, you know, just little tongue-twisting things. Not, not bad words, I don't mean that, but just the way they'd say things. Justin used to see a raccoon, he'd call it cocoon. Cocoon. Well, that was acceptable for a little boy. But right now it wouldn't be. Only in joking, of course. So our little girls would say things. Ashley was over at our house one time and her and Carol was coming up the steps and she's a little curly-headed thing. Real small coming up them steps and she was talking, Grammy said something about being afraid and Ashley said, I ain't afraid of nothing. And I just happened to hear that. So I hid at the top of the steps. How can you have a testimony if somebody don't try it? So here come little curly-headed Ashley with that little smile of hers holding Grammy's hand. 
And when they got to the top of the steps, I let out a Black Panther war hoop. I don't know who scared the worst, her or Grandpa. But I tried her testimony, and it failed. She was scared of something that didn't exist. I was not a monster. I was not even going to harm her. Sometimes we get this way. We get so terrified. If you could look at what you're going through today, it may be real to your sight, real to your ears, but in real reality, it can never do anything to you. All hell breaks loose against you. It can never destroy you. No matter what you face, let Ishmael persecute us. But we are the ones with the promise. We will overcome. We will not be defeated. You believe it, saints? And why is this made possible? Because our Lord Jesus, I stand here today born again. Those of you that are born again, you stand here today born again because he was born a human. My birth could not be worked out, orchestrated by the divine promise of God until God himself become born. And because he was born, I could be born again. He was the firstborn of the eternal. He was the firstborn of Mary. He was the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn in the living church of the living God. And now he's got a wife, and he calls her the church of the firstborn. Amen. Praise be to God. The church, how in the world, hey, could we come into such a position? Remember what God told the devil, the serpent in the Garden of Eden? I will raise up a seed. I'll put image between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. You will bruise his heel. You will bruise his heel. He didn't say destroy, annihilate, but bruise. And it will bruise your head. Paul picks it up in Romans in the New Testament and saying to the saints, God shall shortly bruise Satan under your feet. I'm not just married to the serpent bruiser. I am one. (laughs) What about y'all? God shall shortly bruise Satan under your feet. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great truth, Father. Lord, we don't believe that these words that were spoken by your servant, Paul, were said because they were beautifully orchestrated or they were without meaning or it was said to people that would never accomplish it. You're not that kind of a God. We believe in that day he was living. They were preaching the original gospel. And they saw that original word produce this type of people that were the church of the firstborn, called to the general assembly, surrounded by an innumerable company of angels. They saw that. 
and that day that they were living. And that was the Alpha Bride. And there's a promise of an Omega Bride. Praise God. We believe, Lord Jesus, we are part of that group. We know, Father, that a great battle started. As long as it was just our Ishmael, he got all the attention. Oh, Ishmael was petted and he was babied. And this old flesh, whatever it wanted, we done. Then when Isaac got born, oh my, and the father started showing special gifts to Isaac. And then when he got weaned, the day that he was weaned, they throwed a big feast. And that very day, Sarah saw something. Sarah saw something that it did not please her. And Sarah come to Abram. It's not even Abram's idea, but come to Abraham and said, that woman's got to go. And yet when Paul quoted it, he said, the scripture said. So what do we see happened? God took a woman which justice would have killed her, but grace saved her. And then her words became the very word of God. Paul quoted her and said, the scripture said, cast out the bondwoman. Hallelujah. Lord, this ain't something we do once. It's something we do every day. We cast out the bondwoman. Well, my daddy, my mama, my mama was always this. My daddy was always that. My uncle so-and-so. No, Lord, if it's contrary to the word, we cast down that thought. We cast down that old flesh and we feed and nurture Isaac. Lord God, if there's some here today or some that will hear this service, maybe they haven't been weaned yet. Help them, Lord. It's scary getting weaned. But help them, Lord, to get weaned. Help them to lay aside the toys of the early days of Christianity so they can get the tools of maturity to be what you want them to be. Help us, Father God. We love you with all of our hearts today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We can have this time together today. Praise be to God. You love him, saints? With all your heart, isn't it good to be a Christian? To be able to serve the Lord? Why don't you just look at your heart there in your life? Just let the Spirit of God search you. I do this quite often myself. Just to see if there's anything in me that displeases him. That he doesn't like. So today, maybe he's not looking for sins necessarily, for bad habits and things like that, but maybe for a stored toy that you've got hid deep in the closet. And that toy that you're so hanging on to, that little teddy bear of past memories, or that little doll of whatever more, could be the very thing that's stopping you from stepping into a further place in Christ Jesus. It could be, well, my mama said, and my daddy said, and I've always believed, yeah, that can be a toy. That can be a toy that you depend on. I've always thought and I've always believed, and I, we have to let those toys go. But wouldn't it be worse it if the Lord Jesus stood there before you with a tool of maturity and he said, I'll give you this for that. Let me have your teddy bear. But Lord, I hugged it at night. Lord Jesus, it, it, it held me whenever I was cold. Oh God, I, I don't know, I don't know. But this will do greater. This will help you achieve rapturing faith for the changing of your body. Can we do it? Search me today, Lord. I'm an awful old fellow, big packing toys around, but maybe we are in our hearts. Search us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father.
We worship you. Thank you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the King? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother Joel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. forgive me I need your grace to make it through Lord all I have is you I'm at your mercy Lord I'll serve you until my dying day I'll help others find a way your mercy please forgive me sleep is gone my heart is full of sorrow I can't believe how much I've let you die I dread the pain that waits for me tomorrow when the sun reveals my broken dream scattered on the ground please forgive me I need your grace to make it through Lord all I have is you I'm at your mercy
forgive me. Praise the Lord this morning. I know you enjoyed that this morning. So appreciate our pastor. Saved by Grace. Let's just sing Saved by Grace together um, as the brothers come to dismiss us this morning. Remember the service. Sure. Glad Sister Erica felt good enough to be in church this morning. Appreciate that. And we, we sure love Sister Erica and we'll be praying every day for these treatments and for strength. Let's just sing this. Aren't you so glad that you're saved by His grace this morning? I was alone in the darkness I could not find my way But Jesus shined the light on me He turned on my night to day Saved by grace I've been saved by grace My name is in the Lamb's book of life And my sins are washed away Not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. And when I reach that city, the gates swing open wide. I'm gonna seek redemption story. How he brought me to the other side. Just when I reach that city, the gates swing open wide I'm gonna sing redemption story of how he brought me to the other side Saved by grace I've been saved by grace My name is in the Lamb's book of life And my sins are washed away Not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. Well, I was alone in the darkness, and I could not find my way. But Jesus shined the light on me, and it turned on my night today. In the Lamb's book of life And my sins are washed away Saved by grace I've been saved by grace It's not what I deserve But I'm saved by grace